to Wacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music, determine if an album or a band or an even an entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of its time. And like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of an unhinged group text amongst friends that simply refuses to die. And uh, this week, we are actually joined by some new voices. Um, so why don't you guys go ahead and uh, introduce yourselves? Hey, I'm Noah. Don't call me... Lennox. I'm anesthesiologist. <laughs> and I am your host, D. Can Care Less. Nice. Yeah, welcome to Wacker Slaps. This is uh, episode 11, um, off the heels of episode 10, which was about 10 hours long, if I recall. <laughs> yeah. Like, just came in under or maybe over. Yeah. I don't know. Just to clarify, because I said my real name, Noah, Caleb. That's you, and then Adrian is the other one. Those were our animal collective names. Yeah, my animal my animal collective name is actually Caleb. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's a K Cor- Cor- No, like your that. name is Bear. Your hippie name. Oh, K Cub. Yeah. No, Bear. K Cub. Bear. Something Bear, right? Bear Bear. Bro- brother bear, bear. Bear. Yeah, that was bear, my. Bear. Uh, you know, back in uh, around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, I would have said hey this is bear bear and up next we got animal collective <laughs> but i i jump ahead um yeah welcome to this uh episode 11 um yeah i got what, do we, got, what do we got for 11 11 heaven ocean towers 11. oceans 11 711 is pretty good 711 is good 911 9 <laughs> never forget <laughs> uh the day they disposed uh salvador ande from uh, chile that was 9 11. Can you guys think of any 11th albums at all? Ooh. It's like, well, like those old British bands, right? Like, oh, that's true. Did like you have a, like 15 of records until the one that you actually know? Yeah. Like, isn't like um, Exile on Main Street? Is that like the Rolling Stones' 11th <laughs> album? Probably. <laughs> oh, maybe. It's probably like eighth or ninth. I don't know. It's a good question, though. Yeah. That is a good question. Bob Dylan, he shit out 11 albums in the 60s. Yeah, yeah like what would the 11th be? Desire yeah, or something? exactly. Oh. <laughs> Noah, uh, the 11th uh, studio album of the Rolling Stones was Sticky Fingers. Ooh. Oh, pretty good, yeah. actually. Pretty good. Warhol. Yeah, I got the little interactive uh, album cover. Was a System cool little... Morphine. Hell yeah. Uh, and uh, while we're at it, let's just uh, look at both. Let's just Bob do here. Sticky Fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just Might flip well. the script. Let's just be a Rolling Stones podcast. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. We're just like, a, we're old rockers. Brown sugar. How the song has aged perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, All right. Enough about those old perverts. <laughs> now let's talk about these, uh, the old perverts over there at uh, Pitchfork. Noah. Yes. Why don't you cue us up? So today we have Animal Collective, and the album is Feels. From 2005. Feels good. And I believe it was a best new music awarded over there at Pitchfork. So you are correct. Adrian, tell us about it. Yeah. So they gave it a score of 9.0, 
which is a pretty, pretty good score. It, as you mentioned, it's the best new music. It was reviewed by Mark Richardson, uh, who was one of their mainstays over there for a long time. I'm not sure if he's still writing uh, for them. I believe he is, but I like his reviews. Um, and the, the one I pulled today, the excerpt, is a little different. This one, I felt kind of sets us up for what we're doing here with this trilogy of albums. So uh, here we go. Feels is an excellent record, one that, despite a more conventional approach, happens to get better over time. But it's also interesting to contemplate as a chapter in the Animal Collective story. If the childhood pals can stay friends and continue to inspire each other, we may have some more great records down the road. At the moment, they seem on a pretty heady plateau, but you don't get the idea listening to Feels that they've said nearly all they have to say. So I think that sets it up pretty bad you know, pretty good mm-hmm. because I think this is an interesting chapter. Th- this record in particular is kind of an interesting uh, point in their discography, in their history. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah. Um, before we get into all the background stuff, um, I, we mentioned it on in the last episode in the teaser, but we are doing a trilogy of episodes. So we're going to do a series on, um, three what some people call pivotal animal collective albums and um yeah but why animal collective why did we pick them to be kind of the the triptych you know analysis that we're doing the next uh few episodes i i cannot begin to know where to answer that question (laughs) (laughs) i think for me i think if i'm remembering correctly i think i pitched this idea um pitched forked it oh nice (laughs) nice um, but the, the thinking there is just that like for me and I know for Caleb too, and, and for, you know, probably as well, this band was pretty pivotal and pretty important, uh, for a period yeah. of time. Mm-hmm. Just, I think all of us at some point really love this band, maybe still love this band. I, you know, we'll get into that, but I think, yeah, I think that's kind of why I thought it would be interesting to do this kind of three album arc and take a look at how they evolved over that period of time and also how that's kind of reflective of things going on around them. You know, they started off in kind of one, you know, I don't know if you want to call it genre or whatever, you know, freak folk, whatever, what have you. Um, But (laughs) you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting arc for this band. And I think by the time we get to the last record, you'll, you know, which points to their future, future i think it's a it's going to be an interesting um evolution so yeah that's kind of my thinking behind behind that but i don't know if yeah. you guys have any thoughts yeah, yeah I, I mean oh go ahead no no well caleb just to say because they pretty much went on like a it's almost like what is it like four albums in like six years so the album before this one i'm sure we'll get to it in the history but the uh sung tongs and then you have this one and then like three more albums. So like of all the indie rock groups, I think they, especially the ones that Pitchfork recognized, they probably had one of the stronger runs as far as the 2000s go. But Adrian, maybe just give us the history of this album in particular. And I think it'll enlighten us. Or Caleb, you want to add something? Yeah. I mean, what I want to add is kind of their arc and also the arc of the indie music, like media machinery, you know, and how like mm. for us, that's represented by pitchfork. Um, i really feel like they co-signed on this band and not only them, a bunch of other 
publications and outlets and you know um blogs and whatever like really co-signed on this band and um kind of carried them through and they were just like the band du jour you know they, they were the they, beatles they, for these fucking yeah. Newport guys <laughs> yeah i mean they were the american um cold play yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i feel like they they rode that machine or maybe they didn't write they didn't were an opportunist per se but they were definitely you know hitched their hitched their star to the uh the blog rock and the pitchfork thing and um yeah i mean everyone had to talk about that you know like in the parlance of today it's like people are tweeting it's like we need to talk about whatever one of the back few... then it was like we need to talk about animal collective and they were like yeah. a huge part of the conversation and they were like unavoidable they're one know? of the few niche niche type bands that like almost were full mainstream after the end mm. of like a five-year run so right but let's hear the history i think that'll enlighten us yeah yeah let's put that in its proper proper place yeah so this album was recorded in march of 2005 at gravel voice studios in seattle washington it was produced by the band with scott colburn who had worked with uh who was in climax golden twin uh, which was like a local sort of experimental band. Um, don't know, worked, don't care. <laughs> he worked with Sun City Girls, uh, which is another sort of experimental oh, uh, group. Um, yeah, they're 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 great. Uh, Fisher they're, Brothers. And the record itself features some contributions from Doctus, uh, which is the Animal Collective name of Kristen, Anna, and this is okay. Valti Valtis Dotir, I think is how you say it. Of Moom, the band Moom, uh, oh, who at the time was Avi Tears. Uh, From the uh, Bell and Sebastian album covers? Uh, I Is that is that a, is that a fact? I don't, I don't yeah, know. I think they're on uh, one of the Bell and Sebastian albums. Oh, well, there you go. Um, but she's also known as Kriya Brecken. So I don't know if that's a stage name or whatever. But anyways... That was, she was partnered with Avi Terra at the time, um, and she plays piano uh, uh, basically on every song on the record. And then they also enli um, enlisted Evan King, uh, who is a violinist, and, and I think he's a multi-instrumentalist, actually. But... Shout out Stephen King. <laughs> uh, but he plays, he's played with like Bill Frissell and Sun City Girls, uh, aforementioned Sun City Girls. And on this record, he basically he contributes a lot of textural stuff, a lot of noise stuff, um, which is how he was approached by the band. I think he he asked like, well, what do you guys want me to do here? Do you want it to be like, you know, oh, and then here comes the, you know, saxophone part or the whatever. Or do you want it to be like, oh, here's some textural stuff. Here's some, you know, some some noise in the mix. And and they said like, oh, that's the, we want the latter. Like, we don't want, you know, we don't want it just to be like, oh, here comes the viola or whatever. Right. So that's, you know, um, and you can kind of hear that on the record at times. It's a little bit buried in the mix, um, but it's uh, yeah, it all it all adds to the kind of uh, complexity of the record, let's say. And it was released by Fat Cat Records on October 18th, 2005. Uh, Fat Cat Records is a great indie label. This is their sixth studio album. Uh, it's interesting, actually, because when they started out as a group, they kind of, the way that they would label their their records would be by who played on them. So, you know, if it was just Panda Bear and Avatar, like that's what it, or, you know, that's what it would be called, like, you know 
here comes the Indian by Panda Bear and Avatar or whatever. Uh, I don't uh, think uh, Adrian, that name was changed. It's now called yeah. Ark. You're right. You are absolutely right. And they right. changed it in the wake of like, you know, the kind of Black Lives Matter movement and like kind of being like an anti-racist, like solidarity, which is respectable. But at the same time, nobody asked you to join the conversation, Animal Collective. <laughs> I think you could have left your 10-year-old experimental rock record uh, alone and nobody would have cared. Like, <laughs> I always thought that was a stretch that they went back and changed well, that record name. You know, ordinarily I would roll, you know, roll my eyes right there with you, but for them, like, I think it's a genuine concern. And I also think the way that they approached it, which is they also, not only did they change the name, to yeah now it is called arc on all you know streaming services and bandcamp and whatever but they also donated uh proceeds from sales of those of that record to so it was like um, two dollars and fifty cents uh <laughs> um to like native causes and stuff so you know and then they had another record um actually the the follow-up to this is an ep called the uh, people the people ep and it has a the original artwork featured a mammy caricature on the front. Ooh, yeah, okay. so oh, so they, there is a history, a reckoning that took place. Okay, that makes more sense now. I didn't know that. And I believe they changed the name of that album to People X. <laughs> um, uh, well, they took the at the very least they took they took the they changed the artwork and then and then the proceeds from that goes to I forget um, I think and I can't I can't remember but uh, goes uh, to Avatar's know. wife yeah or <laughs> settlement the, but anyways uh, it went to the People Fund <laughs> all right but anyways Stanza. they uh, and I think that kind of speaks also to like that evolution of the of them as people uh, because around this time they were still pretty young. You know, they, they, yeah, they had released a bunch of records, but they, they had basically, uh, by this point, had kind of established themselves. Noah mentioned, you mentioned, um, Song Tong's or previous record. I think that was one of the, the really big, uh, first hits for them. Their first couple, you know, the, the aforementioned Arc was, uh, pretty big, but, but Song Tong's, I think, was the one that solidified, like, these are guys, these are like the indie vanguard right here. Mm. Yeah. I, and it's actually really interesting because the recording of this record, so the previous record only had Panda Bear and AV Terror, and the other two dudes, Geologist and Deacon, set that one out, and they returned for this one for the writing and the recording. And what's they how they started off was they they went and they recorded a friend's piano, um, and they made a bunch of loops of it and use that as basically the basis for the song, the songwriting on this record. But what was interesting about that is the piano that they were using is, was detuned like naturally over, over, you know, like the course of years and years uh, because it hadn't been professionally tuned in like a decade or something. So just the natural detuning of the piano created this unique sound. And so the band basically had to they realized like oh shit like we we recorded these loops and made them the basis of these songs so now we have to you know retune every instrument that we play to sound like that piano so that's how they that's basically i I don't know if they do that to this day or if they basically established like these this is how it is uh, and using a tuner but yeah they've they had to tune to the to those original loops i think they gave up the tuner altogether yeah (laughs) 
I believe um, Panda Bear said, hey, you can't tune a fish. So, yeah, so they tune, you know, they tune the they tune Doctus's piano and they tuned all the guitars to that that uh, crazy tuning. And it gives it a really unique sound, which is, you know, hard to kind of it. You can hear it, but it's hard to really place what makes it so unique. And think knowing that that's the backstory, it like totally makes sense that these are like microtonal variations. And they just kind of use that as a basis to experiment with. But I have a few other notes here. Uh, the The cover art is kind of reminiscent of the work of artist Henry Darger. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him at all. Yeah, totally. But, He's like the you know, Vivian Girls guy. He's like a exactly. outsider artist. Mm-hmm. Fella from he's like a janitor from Chicago or something. Yeah, and somewhat of a recluse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, his art wasn't even discovered, I believe, until like years after his death. And um, but yeah, so uh, Aviator was a fan of his, but it, it wasn't actually inspired directly by him. Instead, he he found, he found like a book of uh, a children's educational book, like a pamphlet or something like that. Uh, on the ground and he used that as the basis for the artwork which i think works and he you know i think he felt that it fit the the album's kind of i wouldn't say naive but kind of that sort of childlike it's kitty indie that's it's not a, yeah it's there baby, you go baby that's not, baby yeah. oriented let's not kid ourselves <laughs> this is like pretty close to clap your hands say yeah architectural in helsinki kitty indie stuff we've talked about I mean, you're not wrong. It's it definitely is very close. And you know, a song from the last record was definitely used in a Crayola uh, ad. So I think that that that's not an un, it's not an unusual uh, comparison. But um, one one other thing I want to mention is that the the title, so the the the, the record title feels actually came from from Doctus from Kriya Brecken's because English is her second language, she would call feelings feels. So uh, A.V. Tear took that for the uh, the title of the record, um, which, you know, once it was released, it got critical acclaim from Pitchfork and tons of other, you know, publications, NME, Spin, The Guardian, Entertainment Weekly, all the big ones basically just were effusive with praise for this. Uh, so they were ahead of their time because like now everyone says all the feels and all that. Exactly. Yeah, so is that, exactly. Is that where that came up? Was that the first uh, instance no, of I mean, that in, in, the, in the nomenclature? Yeah, it definitely, Caleb, it does capture the vibe of like that you know, an innoxious Facebook comment, all mm. the feels. Like <laughs> yeah. this is kind of all, the, this is the proto all the feels. I mean, 2005, yeah. like that was a phrase that would have just been given birth, right? Yeah, My totally. Yeah, I, and it's like kind of cryptic. Someone's looking at me. Feel. I remember when I reviewed this album for my uh, my blog. I it was a one word review, and it just said mood. What was the name of your blog, Caleb? Poopy pants or something? <laughs> it was bloopy bloopy peepee poopy <laughs> at uh, tumblr.com. It was poopy vegan. Yeah, Brooklyn vegan. It was arcadavegan.com. All right. Timestamp that. Out. Take that out. <laughs> nah, timestamp it, leave it in, run it back, do it twice. Yeah. So thank you for that the background. I mean, that, that definitely frames them um, and where they at. But what's I guess, I think we should talk about their deal because um, 
and we could just kind of that'll encompass the next couple episodes too and um you know because they kind of had a mystique about them you know they had like pseudonyms they were all like they kind of ripped off our idea of being friends um <laughs> growing up together you know um yeah so i feel like and then just kind of playing you know kind of you know outsider music but it also kind of had this art school thing to it so i mean wh- what would you say their deal was or like where where did they come from in uh you know the time that they kind of broke they're, well, they're I, from baltimore right technically yeah i think baltimore that's that's right they they kind of originated there but I dude think... have you guys seen the wire <laughs> uh we'll save no, that it's, for it's, our wire it's, it's, a great, it's a great show all time but yeah so i think they they all they grouped in maybe new york too i forget uh the exact location but yeah basically they 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 situated themselves in baltimore when they were you know young men starting off in this band but to me like i think they kind of i they got lumped in with freak folk which was just this you know all-encompassing sort of thing that it did incorporate a lot of artists that were more folky type with acoustic guitars or whatever, but it also had stuff like this or moom or kind of weirdo, you know, soundscapey stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, they, they also came from an experimental, you know, background i think they had gone to to college to study art and stuff like that so it wasn't that big of a leap for them to be doing sort of experimental music as opposed to anything you know yeah they fall in line with you know freak folk which is kind of a spin-off of like psychedelic music so they kind of fall in line with like pink floyd a lot of like pink floyd um, stuff Gamma, era but, pink floyd yeah <laughs> Or animals, Pink Floyd, dare I say. Ooh, is that how they but, got their uh, name? But it's like a deconstructed kind of folk music and, you know, the kind of drum circle vibes. It's, uh, it's kind of ecstatic music. It definitely has a, what we've talked about before on this podcast, where in the early, mid-2000s, early 2000s, there was like a naivete about indie mm-hmm. rock, like kind of taking mm-hmm. it back to like the like a childlike state, like kind of your id, like. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I don't know if these, I, them being from Baltimore, I don't know if any of them went to MICA, which is like a big, um, you know, Maryland Institute of whatever art. And um, which is like, like a really like one of the top art schools in the country. And you can kind of get that art gallery kind of vibe, you know, they kind of have a, um, performance art or you know like no you're saying like your static kind of like experimental drum circle you know lilt to them and um yeah I yeah think and actually kind of lends sorry, themselves to, oh sorry. To, no not to not to interrupt but i think they went to like nyu and columbia and like boston university so not not necessarily art schools but art liberal art school let's yeah say. yeah totally. sorry, sorry go ahead with what you're no talking. and i was just saying like a, a out of like a lot of that there's always kind of been a performance art musical kind of interdisciplinary um yeah kind of element to that and they and they kind of had that vibe and they kind of seemed like they were of that 
movement yeah. or whatever you know probably. adrian that makes sense you talk about nyu columbia it does also have like a talking heads new york vibe where it's like collegiate collegiate it's it's silly but like in a smart way kind of but they lean mm-hmm. more into like a a hippie vibe i would say maybe that's the baltimore weirdo <laughs> version mm-hmm. of them yeah maybe that's a good point winking winking i don't think they take themselves all that seriously but i think as the the blogs and pitchfork and took them more seriously i think maybe they started to take themselves more seriously in a way Mm, i mean maybe i don't know you could argue that for sure i think they still kind of have a tongue-in-cheek thing to them but maybe the music is a little bit more self-serious at this point. But at this point in time, they definitely were much more loose and much more in that college. Let's all experiment and do, you know, make cool sounds mode for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But then, and just instrumental wise, there's a lot of like acoustic stuff going on. So it's like a lot of, even like the Athens, Georgia stuff. Like in the early '80s, there's I think you could see an influence there, where there's it's just like a lot of vibing, kind of rhythmic stuff. Um, well, I think pavement was a big influence on these guys. I think like that was one of the things that brought them together was a love of pavement back in the day, and and like Can, and like Silver Apples and bands like that who were, you know, much more experimental oriented or at least you know pavement kind of brings two out of three of those bands i uh, vouch for heavily (laughs) it's up to the audience to guess which is the outlier silver apples (laughs) Uh, just say the band is from stockton california shots fired yeah dude i'm going off this is my episode this is my deer hoof episode his wife is out of town his wife just to peel back behind the curtain his wife is out of town so you can talk shit about pavement (laughs) this is one chance and uh to further peel back the curtain uh his wife is out of town um and he can talk shit too as well well to pull back the curtain is in the trash can at this point but my wife yes is out of town with caleb's wife so there's no wifey's corner but on an animal collective episode (laughs) my dog goldie is sitting literally in the corner of my studio as we speak so shout out goldie i got my cats around here too you know oh it's the animal collective yes my (laughs) chihuahua she was actually kind of this is chihuahua's corner Goldie's corner. She was kind of freaked Chihuahua's out corner. Chihuahua's corner. Chihuahua's corner. Your cattle podcast. <laughs> yeah. I think we need a bigger podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think she was freaked out about this album because there's all those like background the screaming, the yelps. Yeah. Yes. There you go. So, is everything okay? All right. And Adrian, you still got those rabbits to keep it like, you know, in, in your front yard? <laughs> Uh, you know, I haven't seen them in a while, but uh, there's plenty of wildlife for sure. All right, so we we have we have animal representation on this record, so that is good. Um, yeah, so you know, let's uh slide into our uh, personal histories with this um, particular album, and I will send it off to Brother Noah. 
bless you. Yeah, man, I was all in on Animal Collective by 2005. I had, uh, because some tongs, what year is that? Is that 2004? It's like, I think it's like the that, year before. Yeah, that's 2004. Yeah, and so I was deeply into that album. I think my older brother, Zachary, gave it to me. And I was really into that album. And then by the time this one came out, I had also gone back and listened to their older albums, like Campfire Songs and Ark. And uh, what the Panda Bear, he had like a solo album too by this time. It was about like his dad that was dying or something. Yeah, I think at this point he had actually had like a couple. Um, he had a self-titled. that one called like I Father or something? That one was um Something I can't about remember dad. exactly, but, but that is a yes, it's a very good record. It was kind of like a spooky thing. Um that but, record is called Young Prayer. Oh okay, yeah, Young Prayer, yeah. yeah. But um I was just into this kind of folky stuff as it was. Like I had uh by this time I had dropped out of college at santa cruz but santa cruz was very much like a freak folky environment with like drum circles and stuff yeah, you got comments on fire six organs yeah, all that shit came out of there so i yep. think i was still tapped into this kind of vibe mm-hmm. um and i believe adrian you might have burned me this cd actually that's quite likely yeah so I listened to the shit out of this album. This album always reminds me of like doing like a wake and bake and like <laughs> listening to this album, dancing around. And again, like I would say kind of like our very first episode, like the, um, uh, you forgot it in people, the broken social scene episode. This was an album that I kind of connected with emotionally just cause like the time in my life, like in my early twenties and it's, it has like a kind of childlike feel, but there's also like a melancholiness to it. Um, it's kind of has kind of like a, like a love lost. I was thinking, you know, like young love a little bit with this album. It's yeah. So I, at the time I very much related to this, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that because I have a lot of current reactions. This this was like a tough album for me because it was it's very much the hype of Pitchfork at the time. I bought into it, and then it also resonated with me personally. Um, so at the time in two thousand five, but yeah, it's, uh, I'll talk about how it aged later. But yeah, it was a important album to me in two thousand five. I'll just put it like that. All right. Let's stay in 2005. Adrian, what happened to you? (laughs) Yeah. So when this record came out, I was just starting into my community college years. Uh, I remember distinctly the day that this came out because I bought it the day it came out. It was another Best Buy trip. Uh, I think I had just recently got my license. Uh, So I was... um, I remember driving. How long was the line outside of uh, Best Buy in Santa Maria for <laughs> to get in to get this album on the, well, the release day? Well, yeah, Paul just was doing a, a signing, right? an in store, right? In yeah, store, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I 
I had to ask the guy to go in the back because they they ran out in the front. Um, but <laughs> the so we went. I remember it was me and uh, our friend Jay, and I I picked him up and we went to to Best Buy specifically to buy this record. I don't think I bought anything else. Um, but I just remember we were dri- we were driving back uh, to my house to smoke weed and listen to this record, and and we put it on, and it was just like man, it it instantly. It was another one where it was just like this. This is this is fucking great. Um, I had been a fan of them, like Noah. I really liked Sun Tongs, uh, and then I had also listened to some of. Um, I forget. I can't remember the full title, but the the Spirit record that they that was mm-hmm. like their second record, or maybe yeah, their first Spirit record. Spirit if Spirit was uh, Spirit, Spirit if they is vanished. Kevin I Drew. Spirit oh, yeah. Spirit they're and, gone. Spirit they're they vanished. Yes. Um and I like some Spirit, of those tracks. That's my butthole. <laughs> uh so but uh so I I they were definitely a band that I was getting super into and you know this was a big release as you're mentioning like Pitchfork had definitely hyped it up I mean a 9.0 is pretty huge a best new music's pretty huge and I don't I don't remember if the review had come out on that specific day it most likely did but I was going to get this record either way uh just cuz I lo- I love the band so much um and yeah and it became sort of a mainstay for those those years those early college years uh, working at the pizza place with you know, you know uh driving around definitely this record was always in the rotation it was another center console disc for sure and yeah i i you know i think at this at some point uh, after shortly after this record came out they probably were sort of my favorite band you know in terms of like i was always reading they were guys they were guys those were my guys you know i i was like I, I every bit of news that came out every you know every little you know demo and sound clip that was leaked and stuff like that is like, that guy I playing a telecaster out. is he playing it is uh abby chair playing a telecaster <laughs> uh and you know um i also i remember i had a a, a shirt that had bees on it which is a reference to one of the songs on this record um so I, I was all in. I was all in on uh, Animal Collective at this point. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it it definitely, this record, as Noah was mentioning, it, it hits emotionally. Um, and especially, I guess, if, you know, if you're a young, if you're a young person, if you're a young romantic person, especially, you know, if you're a young romantic person living in a small town, like the, the kind of exuberance in the, in the, and yes, the melancholy, and and you know the feels of it all mm-hmm. definitely yes. resonates all you know feels. all the feels. we didn't we all didn't know feels. we didn't have the term all the feels to no. articulate it i wish i did at back the, then at the time it was just feels and mm-hmm. so you would tell people like i'm feeling feels and they're like i don't know i don't understand this <laughs> but then a few years later would we like, say this makes you feel some type of way or yeah. was that? Yeah, that's. And then that's, a few years later, it was like hashtag all the feels, and then people right. got it. They're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. you mean all the feels?" Okay, I understand. Mm-hmm. Adrian, you mentioned the pizza store. I believe I lent my burned copy that I got from you to somebody at the pizza store, and I never got it back. So and I you know, oh, are I need you to return that to Noah ASAP. I think it was Jason. So I ended up having to buy 
the album on my own a couple mm-hmm. of, a few months later but well there you go so yeah that that that's pretty much where i was at with it you know i love the record it was a mainstay uh and it continued to be for a while for quite a it while was in your stable of records it was part of the canon, you know. It was part of the. It's part of the. Part of the case logic. Yeah. If there was, it, I don't think at at this point I would think I was beyond the case logic. But uh, yeah, if so there if was a, if your records were a herd, or a flock, you were migrating to that. Yeah, I was tending to this record, uh, <laughs> as well as the past, you know, handful that we've talked about for sure. What about you, Caleb? What was your experience of this? Yeah, I think um, with this album, they probably, because it came out in 2005, so I was at uh, the old old hippie college, and um, yeah, I probably didn't get into this album until a couple years after it came out, when I was going through my freak folk thing, so I was, you know, like, jamming on your vetiveers, Jenna Hunter, all that freaky deaky shit. And, um, and then I had, you know, just kind of reading up on that stuff and I had heard this band kind of tangentially, but I didn't realize they were freak folky or kind of out of that element, you know, like they were part of that. And, um, so that's probably how they kind of came into my, um, awareness. And, um, so when that happened, there was a backlog of releases that, you know, I needed to explore. And, uh, this was one of them, but I feel like I got into person pitch the solo panda bear album and then the the vashti bunyan um like ep or whatever the prospect hummer so i feel like those ones were kind of in heavy rotation because those were i don't know a little bit more meditative a little bit more of what i was getting into and then i remember later on in college like 2007 2008 there was kind of this poorly named thing called like neo primitivism or whatever. And there's all kind of this like highly percussive, like really rudimentary guitar bands, like, you know, like ponytail and like the dodos and all that shit. And I feel like this band was kind of like the er example of that in, you know, in the, in the early two thousands or whatever. So, and then that's kind of how they came back into um, my, you know, purview, but I gotta be honest. I always felt like, um, animal collective was kind of like you know like cultural vegetables you know they, they had this big like allure and they had this whole like kind of mystique about them and they just seemed like you know you'd read pitchfork or whatever tiny mixtapes or whatever and, and like the way they talked about it was like this kind of dense impenetrable sound you know and um so it's kind of like one stuff that was a little bit more like free falling like you know um it's a little looser and they just kind of sounded like they were a little bit too like art school kind of academic you know um but then i eventually listened to this album and um i think i listened in the summer and um it was like a good summer vibe you know but it's also like you were saying like early morning kind of wake and bake vibes but also like as you're going to bed kind of vibes and um so you know kind of bookended the day and i i like the like the psych elements and like the playfulness and kind of the the randomness and then i remember like shout out to pitchfork tv um that short-lived enterprise there was like all these interviews with them and they they seemed like you know kind of out there dudes and they were kind of explaining their whole approach to music and i thought that was pretty cool and it kind of aligned with the stuff that i was listening to at the time 
but they were never ultimately like my guys. Like I think the deepest I got into my animal guys. Yeah. <laughs> my guys. Um, I think the deepest I got into them was probably that, that person pitch album, even though it's like a solo album. But I remember I got like their first, uh, the, the spirit one, got that on CD. I never owned this one outright. I think it was just like a, you know, somewhere on my computer, like a little hard drive album. And um, yeah, I remember liking it and, um, you know, I'd kind of, you know, do whatever, kind of get, you know, out there with my mind substance wise and, put this on as I was like, you know, trying to get some shut eye and go to the pizza store the next day to work and whatnot. So, um, yeah, but it didn't have like a super big impact, but I knew this band was important. I'd like know that I needed to like, you know, follow them, um, after that. But I think this album is more tangential, um, or peripheral to my, like my listening diet at the time when, um, this album came out. So, um, yeah. Yeah, not super deep feels with this particular album. Caleb, you in my memory. You said the term cultural vegetables. Yeah, did I actually get, had hipster broccoli written down. Um yeah. <laughs> well, did you ever hear that Aesop Rock out that Aesop Rock EP? It was called Cultural oh, I Vegetables. Love him. <laughs> I love how he enunciates. It's called cultural vegetables. Cultural vegetables, I must enunciate. <laughs> <laughs> Are Animal Collective the um, Aesop, Aesop Rock of yes, uh, indie rock? Music, yes, they are. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, yeah, let's uh, leave it at that for now. And uh, when we come back, let's uh, we'll just go into it, how we feel about it now. How's that sound? Yeah, let's do it. All right. And we are back. And uh, most uh, people are st- the the annual notice by Trail of Dead episode is actually still going on at the moment. Um, I think it's on its 48th hundred hour or something. So thank you for listening. When you're done with it, listen to this, like, subscribe, all that bullshit. Caleb, I had uh, some complaints about the length of Animal Collective feels, but then I realized, yeah, we can no longer complain about length or long (laughs) overblown songs because it's frankly hypocritical on us at this point. Based on the, the the length of the last episode, yeah, we need a uh, Harvey Scissorhands wherever you are. Come edit this bad boy. I think it, it should have been longer. <laughs> yeah, you I think we should have gone full Snyder cut and done four hours. Yeah. Do you ever hear that uh-huh. anecdote about um, when Heat came out? Like, um, like they were doing studio notes to, to, to uh, movie Michael Heat Mann. by Michael Mann. Yeah, yeah about Heat, and they're like, you need. Cause that movie's like two hours and 50 minutes. Like you need to, this needs to be a nice round, like hour length. So he's like, Oh yeah, I can add more stuff. I can get it to four hours if you want. And they're like, <laughs> no, we were talking about to get it down to two hours. He's like, Oh no, no, that's not going to fucking happen. Yeah. All the, this shit stays. In. The reverse of that, Caleb, speaking of like gangster stuff, the original cut of Godfather part one, Coppola brought it in at like, 90 minutes oh no shit like, that's right like they're like no dude make it two two hours plus and he's like are you serious okay and thus the marvel verse was born where editors just don't exist movies anymore <laughs> and everything has to be fucking three hours long yeah and what's thus the podcasts Why? were born yeah every movie now is at least two hours it's yeah. fucking bullshit but whatever 
Uh, so let's keep recording this. Yeah, I want to go uh, back to the I want to go back to the '90s where everything was just a crisp 100 minutes. See, but podcast to go. You look on podcast, every, uh, every fucking movie. You looked on the back of it, and it'd be 100 minutes, no matter what. Yeah, the fuck 102 was, minutes, minutes. Boom across the park. Minutes, yeah, but maybe uh, 90 if it was a piece of shit. But podcasts, yeah. I think we're taking it back to terrestrial style, where it's you know Rush Limbaugh, Michael Savage. We just gotta fill. All our hours, all they're going for four hours. All our influences, (laughs) yeah, they're going four hours plus, baby. Yeah, yeah, just consider us the Hannity of indie rock. Yeah, how long does it take you to commute? I think that's uh, what's his name? The um, what's the dude from LA? Ariel Pink. I think he's oh, shit, of indie rock. Fuck, yeah, all right, next. All right, well, here we go. Okay, so I take it we all listened to this album. Of, of late yeah. yeah um yeah who wants to who wants to throw their hat in the ring talk about how they feel about it now adrian you go so i've listened to this record probably like i don't know five six times uh since we decided to do this uh and i it, it was it's been super enjoyable you know i it it's interesting because these past few records that we've done have been you know especially the last one trail of dead were records that were super important to us uh anyone else by sure that um super important to us but tired and uh and you know and this one's no different and i think those other records you know kind of remained important to us at least trail of dead did you know i know for me and and for you caleb it in some it always had us some part of a part of our heart but this one, you know, I it's interesting because returning to it, um, which it was returning to it, I hadn't listened to this one in particular in quite a while. Um, their other records have definitely gotten more spins than this one for whatever reason. Maybe I think I think what happened is that I listened to this one so intensely for so long that it just I had to take a break from it. Uh, you know, I sometimes you you fall in love with something, a piece of media, a movie, a book, whatever, and you just get obsessed with it and you know you it's it's easy to wear it out or or at least it's like it's like dmx rest in peace the late great dmx said if you love something let it go if it comes back <laughs> it's yours right i mean yeah, it's exactly. like that time i got obsessed with the pizza parlor in washington dc and then i realized there's nothing there <laughs> um yeah that's probably uh <laughs> for the best but uh so i think returning to this i i realized that it still hit a lot of the same emotional buttons for me but not quite in the same way that the trail of dead record did you know this record Mm -hmm. definitely i felt a lot of those same feelings but it wasn't as it wasn't as trans transportative (laughs) yeah it wasn't quite the same feels it was you know it was close but and no it was um it revealed itself again as that piece of art that, that really meant something and still means something to me. And, you know, maybe I don't connect with it as deeply as I used to, but a lot of those same, it still hits a lot of those highs for me personally. And these, these listens also revealed some new layers that I hadn't really, it's not that I didn't notice before, but it wasn't, 
listening to it now and really focusing in on the music, like things just popped out. Like uh, Panda Bear is actually like a fucking amazing drummer. And I never really realized that. Like I always knew that I loved his drumming and I love the drum sounds that they do, they have on the, you know, the various animal collective records, whether it's the more acoustic ones like Slung Tongs or this one where it's more electrified, but he's always doing interesting things. And he's always like, right in the pocket even if it's like a weird like a weird groove or something and seeing it live too it i i had a, it brought a newfound respect for him as a drummer and i think you know it's reflected now in me listening to this where i'm just like yeah damn that that fill was fucking great or you know because a lot of time he's doing like three things at once that don't make shouldn't make sense but they they work and you know so that that's one thing that popped out the guitar popped out too which again i had always enjoyed it and always really dug it but just hearing certain lines and the way it's folded into the mix you know i i i can appreciate it more than maybe i did i think when i was younger i was more immediately drawn to like yes the feels now i'm drawn to all of everything about the album besides just that those feelings you know i I can see it now without sort of rose colored glasses and can, I can kind of look at it as, as a piece of art. And it's like, man, it, for me, it still stands and it still works and it still reveals I think in that era. It would have been blue blockers. Those are really popular <laughs> then amongst the free um, folders. So blue blocker tinted glasses, whatever blue, blue blocker tinted glasses, mushroom thing, you know. adult brain tinted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, like I, I can appreciate it on the, in the same way that I did before, but now like I can also appreciate it more just as having grown as a music listener and also having that, having stepped away from it too. I think it's important sometimes to do that with, with art that we enjoy that, you know, as, as comforting as it can be, especially during these trying times, you know, to have that piece of thing and just be able to rely on it. I think sometimes we need to step away so that we can learn. What to do you mean by trying times? Ways. Everything's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, did you not? Oh, maybe step outside um, for wait, a wait. second. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who's president? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, yeah, that I, I think that for me, it still resonates in a lot of ways. And it's revealed a lot of, of new details that I really enjoy. And I think it still works for me. It's still, it still hits. So I don't know. I, that's kind of where I'm at now with it. Would um, you say it, maybe... it uh, still slaps? Oh yes, I would for me. But I think if I'm going to go return to one of their records, it might not be this one immediately, but I would, st it's definitely going to come back into the rotation for sure. Nice, nice, nice. All right, why don't you uh, send it off to somebody? Uh, yeah, Noah. What What are your thoughts? It sounded like you had a a lot to work with there. Yeah. So back in two thousand five, I was trying to. I kept trying to put myself in my old shoes. And this would have been. What are this those was, shoes been back then? Uh, like Vans originals. Nice. Nice. Uh, they probably had a hole in them because they like couldn't afford more than one pair of shoes. Couldn't uh, afford one bucks. shoe at a time. 
but yeah, I thought like this album was it. I was like, yeah, hell yeah. Animal Collective. I've arrived Leo. as a musical listener. Yeah, this is I'm out there. I'm an Animal Collective fan. I'm a fan. This is out there. I like all their albums. This is my type of band. They're freaky. They're folky. <laughs> They're jokey. And I connected to it like on an emotional level a little bit where I was like, yeah, I was like, had that kind of nostalgia vibe where it's like, I felt a lot of like, you know, young love, love lost type feelings. And, but now I listen to this album now and I'm like, Avitar needs to shut the fuck up. <laughs> like his lyrics, his voice, his vocal style for the most part kind of stinks. His sideways Von Dutch hat. All of it. Yeah. It's all <laughs> it's all kind of new age hippie vibe stuff that like and I think there's a lot of good instrument like what you were saying, Adrian, with the guitars. Like I think a lot of times the guitar on this album sounds like um Neil Young, like the it almost sounds like the Dead Man soundtrack. But I wish they would have l- I wish they would have leaned into just being like instrumental and like, there's so many lyrics on this album. There's so much singing <laughs> on this album where it's just like, shut the fuck up. Like let the song breathe a little bit. Like I found Avitar to just be the weak link. And back in the day, it's almost embarrassing because I would listen to his lyrics and stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like this, this guy's has something to say. Cause he approaches his songwriting as like a, there's kind of like a childlike wonder to his songwriting that I kind of like tapped into in my early twenties. But for the most part, I think I've outgrown this album in a lot of ways, but listening to it, I still got a lot of nostalgia, like hits, a lot of tingly feelings. It's just the whole freak folk genre it just it's not that freaky it's 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 kind of safe to be honest like it's it's kind of it's kind of middle of the road indie rock really and it's just like i don't have much tolerance for kind of hippie vibe stuff it's like the same reason i don't listen to a lot of like 60s psychedelic music anymore because it just sounds just cutesy and like not that interesting to me and i feel like I don't know, have you heard the new door song, the AI door song? Oh no. Check it oh, out. God. I will for sure. Check it out. It's on the same album as the AI and Nirvana. Yeah, the doors suck. And I think Animal Collective is probably a fan of the doors. Um so yeah, I don't think this album sucks, but I feel like embarrassed that I gave it as much credit as I did back in the day when I first heard it. Like, this is like early 20s music. Like, this doesn't age all that well, if I'm being honest. But I still kind of liked it. There's <laughs> there's a lot of flashes of good music, but it's just too cutesy. It's that little kid naivete. And especially in our world now with, like, plague and death and a dying empire which is the united states it's like do we need back to the lander like little kid uh campfire songs anymore like i don't think we really do it's very white 
it's 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 kind of safe in a way it's not as experimental as i remembered it just because i listened to more actual uh experimental music but i think they get a groove here and there on this album and yeah i thought this was like my favorite animal collective album one of my favorite albums of the 2000s and i still like it and I think they do have a sense of humor about themselves. Like, I think they are kind of jokey. They're not taking themselves entirely too seriously, but it's just a little too hippy dippy for me now. And I haven't listened to this album. I, I abandoned, we'll get to it later, but I abandoned animal collective some at some point in the late two thousands. So, and I thought this album would have held up a little bit better. I just think the vocals and the lyrics are trash. But yeah. Caleb, what do you say? Well, Adrian, you kind of started us off at a high. No, you brought us down. What I'm going to do is bring us further down. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, uh, I, I mean, fuck so many feelings about this um, album. I was only able to listen to it one way through. Um, I found it exhausting. I found it unnecessarily precious. Precious is a good word, Caleb. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, I I appreciate what they're doing and like, I liked at the time and like, I would never question their motives and their abilities, but it's, it's not for me any longer. Like at all, like it, it's like um, it's just goofball music, man. Like it's for goofy guys, and I'm not goofy, you know. I'm like, I'm I'm of a certain age, and you know, I'm on the precipice of being an adult, you know, goofy. or I am an adult. And uh, Caleb, goofy was the word it's I was just, looking for when I it's was just stammering. it's goofball shit, and it's it's <laughs> overly playful, and like like I get to like get in touch with your more base elements, but like. You don't need to do Google Gaga vocals. You can actually like enunciate and you can speak up and you can actually play a fucking power chord or you can like write a song. And um, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I just, I thought it was like all due respect, Adrian. I thought it was pure nonsense. I thought this album was <laughs> fucking, I, I think it's pure. Go in, go in. I think it's pure fucking nonsense. And um, you know what this band was? And I was talking to the guest of the show, Nat, earlier today, and he was like, it's weird how this Animal Collective is the Godspeed You Black Emperor of our sub-generation because it's like, that's how people signify that they were into serious music. Like, oh, I'm a serious music listener. Like, people who are like five to ten years older than us are like, Godspeed. But people who are our age and maybe a little bit younger is like, I'm an animal collective person. And I just think they're fucking charlatans. Like, honestly, like they're like, they, there's no, there's no, there there. It's like, it's, I don't know. Like I, it, it, it did nothing for me. It was like, I listened to it like three times and I just kept being like, but like, you know, I'm like, I haven't strayed that far from my fucking drug addled brain. There's gotta be something, but it's like, even the psychedelia, like freak folk parts of it, it just sounds like sober art students who've, who've only ever heard of drugs but actually haven't fucking done it and gone in and it's just like <laughs> man i don't know it's just kitty shit it's fucking it is is just kitty shit and it's it's a fucking shame this band 
defines a generation like honestly like there's it's like it's like i feel like in a few years they're going to be like Caleb, our you know our fucking... next two episodes are on this <laughs> yeah you still have <laughs> yeah so we I know, know. On that we could edit it this episode and we, we could totally <laughs> yeah no because i'm not going to be able to get contract. through the other so just use all of this for the next two <laughs> albums and then i'll just come in and do the hosting shit um, maybe they evolve <laughs> yeah we'll see we'll see um and i mean i don't mean to just be a complete fucking negative person but it's like i've i've fully moved on from this from this album and this band probably and and this and this type of music and it's like not that like i know they're good the musicians the way they like they're good at their instruments and the way they arrange things and what they're going for sort of but their reliance on just this bass childish like wonder is just like it's cringy to me like i can't move past it you know and i'm like I'm not a completely serious person. I listen to tons of hip hop. I listen to tons of fucking, I listen to death metal. Death metal is like my favorite kind of music. And it's the goofiest shit you'll ever hear. (laughs) But like this, like freak folky kind of like eclectic indie goofball shit. It's just like, it's like, why it's like, why? Like, what, like, what are we doing here? Like it's, it's exploration for exploration's sake. And then it's just, when you get to it, it's just this hollow, this hollowed out fucking hole in the ground. And you're like, cool you like you heard some tropicalismo and you heard how to like loop things and then you just managed to make the most painfully white version of that congratulations like i don't know and um yeah i mean but you know then i mean the production's cool and like you know they 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 were good at what they were doing it's just for me it's it's not it ain't it this ain't it. This ain't in my feels. <laughs> I love it, Caleb. I love it. The beast is awoken. I think this Caleb is your dear, no apologies on Averis over here. Yeah, this is your. Um, this is my dear. This is my dear hoof. No, dear hunter. <laughs> this is my dear hunter. Diddy Mao. I'm Diddy Maoing it right now. Um, Ooh, you're no. gonna have apology episode. 12. No, no, and it's not like <laughs> I. I don't think they're incompetent or whatever. It's just, it's. The goofy stuff. The goofy. I can't do I can't do goofy no more. What about a goofy uh, movie? I could do a goofy movie because like they <laughs> lean into it. These guys like wanted all the fucking like accolades and all the fucking like, you know, all the write-ups and everything. And they're like, Yeah, like, no, but Caleb, dude. Caleb, that's the thing. It's I like think... they went to art school, you know, like they're art school kids, but that art school is at a fucking preschool, is what this shit but, sounds like. Caleb, I will say I think their their hype was more serious. Than they were taking themselves, which is why I. On that, second, no, that's a that's a really good point. So which, I think that's why, like, I've kind of gone down yes. this negativity hole because, like, I was like, you bought in. Oh, weren't it. these dudes supposed to be like our generation's fucking um, Beatles? The Beatles or like the Talking Heads or whatever. And they, and you know what they end up sounding like? They sound like our generation's fucking Grateful Dead, like just <laughs> half-ass <laughs> goofball shit that like. I, if you like it, see, you like it. If you don't, you can't fucking articulate what you don't like about it. I don't know. That's where, that's where, that's that's where that's I fucking Grateful fall Grateful Dead on is it. pretty good, Caleb. That's a pretty yeah. good comparison. And I don't I, think... Have you heard the Grateful I, Dead? Like, uh, no. They honestly, suck. Honestly, I think the band would take that as a compliment because they are fans of the Grateful Dead. And I think for I think they were one of the first bands specifically to to kind of flip it from being like, the Grateful Dead fucking suck to where now it's like Grateful Dead or something that you can name check and still and be cool. You know, I think I mean, 
what the grateful did they gave every band like this and like them a pass it's like as long as your audience is fucked up you can be incompetent as possible see but <laughs> i get what you're saying and i understand where you're where you're coming from but i think it i think with both those bands with this band and that band like noah's saying i think the outwardness like reviews fans fandom hype i think that was a lot more a lot more serious and a lot that took up a lot more oxygen than the actual mm -hmm. band and the actual music i think yes. they're high i think if you a reaction. yeah and like noah's saying like i don't think these guys intentionally went out and were like we want to get written up in pitchfork we're going to get written no, up in yeah, totally. rolling stone totally. i think they were just making music that they make and that's just what happened is they 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 got painted as this because they were doing stuff that was not necessarily they they were able to bridge a gap between quote unquote experimental music and quote unquote pop music right they were totally, able yeah. to and that's kind of the reason that that they were being hyped because they were one of those bands that were doing that. And I think they, I think part of what you guys, both of you guys are getting at is that these guys have no, they're earnest in their goofiness. And yeah, I think yes. that that can chafe if you're not, if yes, if you feel like you've outgrown it or if you think it's like, you know, or if it's obnoxious to you, I, I totally understand that for me. I look past that. Like I can totally understand why Avi Terror yelping for four minutes can be just. Uh, no, Adrian, it's for 52 fucking minutes. On this <laughs> album. But I, I just, I don't know. Like I totally understand how you're feeling, Caleb, but I, I disagree. But I think to Caleb's and, point, I'm fucking pissed off. <laughs> no, but to Caleb's point, it's almost like pitchfork. And indie rock was like, we need our generation's Grateful Dead. And it's like, kind no, of. you don't. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. stop promoting this. Like, who cares? Like, and I don't even hate it as much as Caleb does. Because I, I think I, I have more of a nostalgia view. I don't think, I mean, and I have this nostalgia. This is my I don't know if nostalgia I deer hunter. Straight album. up hate it. It's just, there's a thinness to it. It's thin, that it's that's thin. That's what I hear, and all I hear is is just a veneer of something deeper. Well, and... let's hear let's hear the fucking songs, Caleb. Yeah, let's well, get, yeah, let's get into the song. Let's yeah, let's get into it. So, well, Caleb, um, what are your slappers? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me regroup before I uh, before I get into that. So, let me take a quick break, and we'll come back with Adrian and Noah slappers. <laughs> and welcome back to the House of the Rising Sun podcast, where we talk about. Eric Burden and the animals and our collective thoughts on this. Hey, um, do you know Dave Van Rock? He course, actually was. He a, so he took House of the Rising Sun and he actually, he was the one that phrased it the way that Dylan and Burden. So let's give Dave Van Rock credit, okay? Yeah. Oh my guys. That's uh, when you're in a garage at a party and like somebody's uncle that's kind of hip and was into folk music. It's like, do you know Dave Van Ronk? And you're like, yes, I do. He sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. It's like, Hey, are you sober? Can you drive us to get more beer? How old are you? By the way, guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How old are you? Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Why don't you take us down to the shortstop? 
All right, let's go into our slaps, such as it is with this album. Noah, what slaps? So, Caleb, I do have some slappers. And I think me and Adrian have a slapper. And I think it's the best song on the album. It's the second song on the album, which probably should have been the first song on the album. But it's Grass. I think it has a heavy tone to it. It's the one where they scream. I guess it's a little bit of a screamo folk, <laughs> freak folk screamo. You know what I put in my notes is I wrote post freak folk question mark. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, again, it, it's that weird Venn diagram of uh, post hardcore and freak folk. Finally, finally, if they I, came together. Yeah, again, Avatar's vocals are a little much. But it's a short song, and there's I like that. A little, little bit of a metal vibe, Caleb. What did you say with those screamy vocals? I don't know. I don't want to insult you. You're already hyped up. <laughs> oh, metal? Yeah, there's a genre of metal called uh, shit metal. Like, uh, <laughs> well, there's a genre called firmly folk, plants in it. Folk metal, right? Would this fall under eh, folk metal? Menos, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh let's give it a listen. Let's just fucking do it. <laughs> Here's grass. That's grass. See, then he kills it with that Tweety Bird shit. Did Tweety Bird just show? My mom for forgot to put the juice box in my lunch bell and let my teachers really mean to me. Hey, would you like to see me often? I kind of like that line. That's no, a that's line. a good. That's a that's a yeah. that's a good like phrasing. I got. I got. Adrian, you know where that is? Can you play that? I think it was just the. I think we're just right, right, right up right against on it. the precipice. Yeah. I think I have it here. Hold on, let me. Let's try to get it here. Saw my teacher in the grocery store and I hid behind my mom because that's what I want to talk to her. It kind of sounds like um, Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Um, I got this scent. But I like that woman. kind of, I, I, this, is, this is fucking embarrassing to say. But when I was like 20, 21, I was thinking about like a girl I had a, or a young woman that I had a relationship with. And it was like, yeah, I'd like to see you often. I was like, that's fucking it's a good real. Line. That's yeah. real. That's real talk. Yeah. <laughs> Adrian, what do you think of that song? No, I mean, I, I, I agree. I like, I, for me, I think all of the elements come together perfectly. I per personally, I, I like the Tweety Bird <laughs> sample or whatever the fuck that is. I think it, it's intentionally a winky it's a winking nod to like the to disney kind of you know soundtracks and stuff um i think it's a it's the right mix of like the the screamy more extreme scream, stuff it's screamo right in a way it's <laughs> it's it's uh yeah scream folkers i don't know but 
it's and like the guitar parts on this song are especially a really killer like yeah you could hear rocks on this guitar rocks on this There's guitar on that? yeah it's all i mean it's it's highly I delayed and there's like it's everywhere but uh i think that here especially deacon yeah he really rips uh at 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 uh some of these riffs are just great, but yeah, is I think Deacon, I think Deacon's the guitar guy, guitar guy. Yeah, guitar he, guy. I think at various times, him, AB Terror, and Panda Bear all play guitar and stuff. But okay. uh, I think he was the primary guitarist on this one. So yeah, I, you know, uh, it all just comes together for me on this song. I, I, the lyrics, yes, I. <laughs> some of them are very, I mean, uh, kind of domestic, kind of childlike but yeah then there's yeah. a couple of lines like the we what the one we we just pointed out where it's like that still hits on an emotional level that's satisfying like it, you might not yeah, totally. you might think it's like you know kind of embarrassing but it's like direct. yeah it's direct yeah it's embarrassing like the way you look at like you know your senior pictures or whatever and you're like god look at how fucking dorky i was or whatever yeah, i look, look fucking look kind my, of way good in my, my senior picture homie <laughs> look at my distressed uh sideways von dutch hat yeah no did you have to listen to bob marley shirt in your uh senior picture dude my senior photos are pretty fucking good i must say i am stoned out of my mind and you have the drunk blush yes i was (laughs) that's right (laughs) sorry mom you paid good money for those pictures but i have the worth it it was all worth it i have the listen to bob marley shirt and um my grandma for years had that photo in her front room mm-hmm. and all my cousins and my aunts and uncles are like, Noah, Jesus Christ. Did you have to be <laughs> that fucking high for your goddamn senior photo? And I was like, yeah, sorry guys. You're like, what? Uh, mom, good, uh, I, I was, make this look good. Mom, I was a uh, stone cold sober for uh, my senior photo. I took that very seriously. Thank you. Okay. What about you, Adrian? You got a, you got a jammer? Yeah, so I had a couple that, um, well, I had three main ones to like call out. Yeah. Grass was. One I have of a them. I have a couple more too, Ken. But go, Adrian. Hey. You do yours. So I think my dad's name is Paul, and this is between y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of art that you revisit and it seems cringy, uh, but anyways, the the purple bottle Fair is enough. the song, uh, the song that I. Uh, I think is kind of a centerpiece of the record and also was kind of one of their bigger so uh, songs from the record. Adrian, I have to comment on this because I have this. This is the first time it's happened in our podcast. This is both a slapper and a whacker for me because I think the first part of this song is whack as fuck. And then by like the four minute mark is really good so like the middle of this song is a slapper but the beginning of it i think is a dud and it sucks because of his lyrics all right well let's uh let's hear a little call that a mid streamer it's like a mumford and sons it's like if mumford and sons had a crazy cousin (laughs) hmm Friendly, 
That sounds like he has to. Frankly, his singing vocal, he sounds like he has to shit his pants. <laughs> Wait, the he whole... has to shit his pants or he has yeah. to shit? Or he's like, I like the idea of you, ha- you, <laughs> you have, have to, to shit have to your shit. pants. Oh, yeah. He's like, <laughs> like, I gotta <laughs> shit these pants. <laughs> the shrooms are kicking in. I gotta shit. But it sounds it's like, like, no, just use the bathroom. It's like, no, I have to do this. He's like, he's all sucked up. It's like, <laughs> fuck. Janice, caca, mijo. Necesitas cagar, hey, mijo. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, but Adrian, I thought that first part sucks, but yeah. I really like at the four minute mark. I think it's a really good. And I think the four minute mark of this song, The Purple Bottle, is the definitive animal collective slash. Um, freak folk sound that everybody was trying, but they succeed. Oh, damn. Well, let's let's get a listen. I think that's just like a pretty little part of the song. Yeah, I this one was always one that stood out to me that I liked. It's pretty sugary in a way. Uh, like the melodies are very sweet melodies. Uh, it's a very propulsive song. Like the drum beat, you can kind of tell from those two snippets is, is kind of really, uh, really propulsive. And I always liked that. It it feels like you're you know going on a ride with the, with this, you know, and it, it's basically a love song. You know, I think it was written about uh, his partner, his wife at the time, the aforementioned uh, Doctus. Uh, and it feels like that. It feels like young love. It feels like that rush of, um, you know, feeling yeah. and your heart and fluttering. That's what I felt when I listened to it back in 2005, Agent. I don't know. Were you in love? Who are you? Who are you laying it down to back then? I was up this kind of podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I was definitely in a relationship and I definitely had those feelings, you know, nasty, nasty boy. (laughs) But uh, so, yeah, I mean, like I said before, like, I think if you're a romantic young person, young buck, like these, you know, maybe not the lyrics specifically, but certainly the emotions behind the lyrics and, and the feeling of the song hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause yeah. yeah, the lyrics, they are kind of stupid. <laughs> um, and actually one, one interesting thing about this song is, I don't know if you guys have ever listened to the Stevie wonder version of this song what? Uh, or know about that. Yeah. So Say it's what? not literally <laughs> Stevie didn't cover it or anything, but they call it the Stevie wonder version because the original, the original track had, uh, a drop of uh, I just called to say I love you right in the middle. So he mm. ripped like a whole verse from that Stevie Wonder song and sings it in the middle of this song. How dare and he. it's, you know, I think it kind of works, but I think it was probably a, a, a wise move to uh, omit it. To omit it. Yeah, I think they, <clears throat> I don't know if, if Stevie's, the record company, reached out or if if the if you know fat cat was like yo we don't want to 
fucking put this out because clear it's just that, gonna... yeah. so yeah either Stevie way wonder, I like... Stevie Wonder took it. one good look at this I was like I don't even Come need on. to hear it I can't even see it but I don't I... like it <laughs> I will um, I will say when you, if you call somebody your lover and they like pick up they're like hey what's up and you say I just called to say I love you it fucking works it works every time it's a classic fucking line I know that song's corny as shit but that Stevie if you're on the, is corny, on the other side of that. Genius. Or, yeah, but he's a genius. That's the difference. Calling somebody between, just to say that you call to say you love it. It's there's a difference between Evie Tar being corny and Stevie Wonder being corny because Stevie Wonder is like one of the, the best, greatest songwriters to ever grace this earth. Like he's like he's so next level. So yeah, when you talk about genius. Like he is a, a living genius. Like he, yeah. his run of records in the seventies is, I mean, it's like, you could it's argue fuckable with. They're it's the like, best yeah. of all time. It's, the, it's the, probably the best run that you could. You argue. could argue so, for songs in the key of life is the greatest album of all time. I don't give. Wow. I don't care what the I, fuck anybody yeah. says. It's fucking I mean, eighteen songs of brilliance. brilliance. And if you disagree with that, we're gonna do a live podcast, and I'll give you my fucking address, and you can say that it's not <laughs> to my brother and his face, <laughs> my face too. Yeah, shout out, wifey corner, wifey's corner. That's like our favorite album together to listen, and my mom and dad's favorite album to Absolutely. listen. Shout out, mom and dad. Um. Yeah. So that you know, I. I like I think that they they're connecting themselves in a way to that the sacredness of that song for this song. I think they're trying I think they're looking at it in the same way as like, oh, this is a sweet love song, even though Mm -hmm. he's saying, you know, stupid, you know, talking about horses or whatever the fuck says I'm going to go and take some pills. That's pretty. Yeah. Well, I think that that verse is 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 an interesting one, because I think we've all been there where you're like you're so in love and you're so hyped up just being around your crush that like, you know, your heart is still beating when you leave them. And I think that's kind of what that's about of like, Oh, I'm so, I'm so overjoyed by this person that like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on full blast and I need to take some chill pills. I feel that way every single day. I cock up my pants. (laughs) (laughs) The two extremes of love. Caleb, what's your slapper? Oh, okay. I do actually do have a slapper. Um, and it's 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 very apropos because um the song B. Um Bees. Is oh, it because your wife is, is it plural? Queen B. My wife's the Queen B, and I remember um I used to make her like a little like uh mixtapes or burn CDs or whatever. And uh anything that was like related to B or kind of like sweet, um, I would send this to her. So this song is has a good a nostalgic resonance to me but negatively because i gotta go negative on this is um i like Too this song because they're really because they're really honest about what um they're doing and uh that's a lack of effort and this song is just like literally just acapella and just like pitch shifting the vocals and stuff so at least they were like you know trying to not try and it's too long yeah <laughs> let's give it like a tiny tiny little bump of that all right, here is a little of bees from right in the middle. <laughs> you 
this is like fake ass Alice Coltrane shit. Like, <laughs> Alice called. Let me teach you how to play the harp. <laughs> yeah, but 15 years ago, and you're trying to like impress the love of your life. Come on. You know what I'm saying, Caleb? It's like Alice Coltrane. It's like, are you trying to do Alice Coltrane? Because you, you they absolutely failed. were. Yeah. You failed. Yeah. Nobody can fuck with Alice. And the other one I have as a slapper is uh, Daffy Duck because it's droney and not horrible. That's what I wrote. That's my notes. Uh, that's in my duds for sure. Yeah, I I'm have a dr- that. I'm a drone guy. <clears throat> I had that not as a dud or or a neither. That was one where I thought it could use a trim. Like, well, it's, it's good. It's good guitar. It's good instrumentals. I don't know why every song has to have Avitar singing over this because he's in the band dude yeah but it, and also there's like a leaky faucet sound like that water sound it's like fix your fucking faucet bro call a plumber the song made me have to pee i don't like it <laughs> well, yeah it's i think you could use a trim i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be seven and a half minutes long i like the vibe of it for mm-hmm. sure i think and i i agree kale i like when they get more droney for a mm-hmm. lot but there's four songs in a row that are over six minutes so it's kind of i a... think that's what it is i think like i came off as like really like angry about this album and th- i think it's like this album is important in a way because it like kind of showed me the way of like kind of like weirdo experimental music and i feel like i just ultimately i'm always going to gravitate towards the more like minimalist yeah, like just listen to that tortoise shit. album TNT. yeah exactly so all like the <laughs> no, other like no lyrics weirdo no, bells and whistles no i'm just like i don't need it you know it, it, it's just served it doesn't serve a purpose to me anymore so right. i don't know let's once listen to again <laughs> once again noah suggesting listen to tortoise instead of whatever we're listening yes. to that week that's the thesis of this podcast. Just listen, listen to, to tortoise. tortoise album. Is this TNT. a backdoor pilot for a tortoise podcast? That album is so fucking good. I cannot yeah, stress enough yeah. how it's very, that very album. good. That album changed my life in the last <laughs> couple months. I listened to it when I was That's a kid. It's hard to come by when you're an adult. Yes. I listened to it <laughs> when I was a kid. I knew how great it was, but it's truly, it's, it's, it's a masterpiece. Like I love it so much. But uh, I listen. I don't disagree. We got to do an episode on that. Fuck it. Oh, I'm sure that will uh, that will come up. Oh, that might be yeah, uh, sure. that might be something we visit in our classics series. We'll play Daffy Duck. Adrian. Yeah, here's a little bit of Daffy Duck. The uh, an, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just play it out. Let's just stop here and play it out. Here's Daffy Duck. A little Chopin ditty. <laughs> Is that a breathy vocal alert? No, breathy vocal. Alert. Yeah, it's breathy vocal. Well, I was gonna sure. issue that. I should have issued that at the top of this episode. It's all breathy vocal alert <laughs> on this bad boy. Um, there's a part. I don't know, Adrian. I can't. I didn't. Fuck. I forgot to timestamp it. But I think it's like the I don't know six minute mark or something. He talks about like volcano boots. He's like volcano boots. 
and volcano <laughs> shoes and it's like yeah, stop stop talking like why do you have to sing over everything Guitar sounds dope. Yeah, the instrumental on this track is killer. I just don't know why he's singing over the whole thing. I don't get it. He also introduces kind of the warbly vocal effect, uh, which he they do a lot of uh, on a, a lot on a bunch of their records. But I think here, especially, yeah. he leans into it, and yeah, I, it just doesn't connect the same way the other songs do. I I I don't think it's. I like this- it a lot, but. It's, you know, this album's tricky because it's so much in the mode of it's such a transitional album. It's they're giving nods. I think they're trying to like they're finding their new fans with their more poppy instincts. And then they're also trying to bring along their fans with the more ambient kind of freak folky stuff. So it is a bit a tug of war on this album where they're going back to their older stuff also trying to show like the band that they would be so mm-hmm. it's a good album to talk about because it it's it's a very transitional album i think caleb that's probably why you hate it because it's it's neither here nor there it's kind of it's just kind of floats in the middle. It, it sounds pretentious. It's a strong word. I I, I just despise this album. <laughs> I don't no, hate the, it. The, the, I just think it's utter I, trash I, garbage. I loathe it. All right. Well, um, we still have some slappers, Caleb, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah what hit That's us? I got though. invented got? cigarette breaks. I want to go to the last song on the album turn into something because i think it's their most like poppy song it's also interesting that it comes at the very end after like two fairly lengthy ambient tracks it's a nice way to end the record i think and it has like a shoegazy vibe it almost has like a my bloody valentine vibe there's like this weird chant stuff going on but um maybe Adrian, the 145 mark, I kind of liked. All right. Here is Turn Into Something, the closing track. And that's, and then you got Avatar in there. Oh, mama, you, mama, you, I just shit my pants. He's uh, like, Mama, I can't get, please, will you clean my ass? Um, I'm saying it's childish. But that that song sounds the most like the solo panda bear. It sounds like bros, but it's like a yeah yeah test totally. run for for the panda bear solo album. But yeah, those are my slappers. I only had like a couple, but I don't know. What's next? You got any other slappers, Adrian? I had one more, uh, which is Banshee Beat. Ooh. <clears throat> yeah, I like this song too. 
it just well let me play a little bit and then i'll i'll talk a little bit about it but here's here's some banshee beat Adrian, play the three-minute mark on that song. Sounds like Coldplay or something. Nice. Well, that was roughly the three-minute mark, but let's okay. go. Let's I go guess that was my Coldplay vibe. Um, here's here's a little other little snippet. Hold on, this is from uh, about a minute later. Yeah, there you go. It's kind of Coldplay-ish. Oh, is this a swimming pool song? Yep. Um. So yeah, I I really like the the percussion and the and the guitar on this. I think it's also kind of a preview for some of the songs and the sounds on the next record, where things were a little bit kind of like that, where there's a repetitiveness to it, to mm. the like to the patterns that they use. Um, which I thought I think is really nice. And I actually really like the vocal take on this. It's he does a lot of the, yeah. a lot of those obnoxious things, but he also he's in like control on this song and it's a little bit less uh, I don't know. The lyrics are still kind of obnoxious, I suppose. But yeah, I had a corny alert. Yeah, the, definitely uh... corny, <laughs> but I like what he does with it. And I like the, the you know, the kind of I would call it like horny corny, too. <laughs> horny corn, horny, yeah, horny corn. Um, so yeah, it, that track worked for me. I liked it a lot, and it's actually one that I didn't necessarily. It never stood out when I was younger, but listening to it now, the past you know six times or whatever, that one was like, yeah. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, I, I love this track. It's uh, so that All was right. uh, yeah. That's about it for my slappers. All right, nice. Um, I have no more slappers. So do you guys want to? go into the whackers i think you need to go into the whackers. Yeah. you need to shred this bad boy yeah so in terms of and i'm here whackers, for it i ain't kidding um, i am here for this feel so um yeah whackers asia why don't you queue up um did you see the words grass flesh canoe the purple bottle bees banshee beat daffy duck bloke raven into something why don't you go ahead and just like cue that song up no, Kev, you mentioned did you see the words? That's a dud for sure. Yeah. Oh, the intro, yeah. The first track on this album. It's like carnival barker. It's like circus music. Which goes back to the um the clap your hands. Clap, clap your hands. hands say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so see, close I, to it. I had this on my honorable mention. I always thought it was an effective opener, but uh yeah, let's play a little bit and uh, get get a taste. In my notes with his lyrics, I put Nesitas cagar, mijo. <laughs> circus music. <laughs> the kids love the circus. <laughs> The piano it's, is cool though. It's like, that's it what I was like about a, to say. 
It sounds like I, Ethiopian piano. Like yes. I listen to a lot of Ethiopian that the that twinkling. A little humble kinda. brag. Oh yeah. I mean, it I'm sure a, they did too at the same time. I think they'd like I to mean, think they did. I'm a big mulatto head. I don't know about you, but mulatto. Yeah, uh, there the you Opics, go. Come on. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I. I think. Yeah. Again, I really like. I really like the instrumental. I like the guitar. I like the ramshackle feel of the of the piano over the drum of the drums, and yeah. I don't know it, but yeah. I can see. <laughs> I can see where you guys wouldn't necessarily like because it does veer very close to if not goes overtly into absurd clown music for sure i think there's sitar in this song as well Uh oh yeah we all know Ooh, how you feel about alert. that sitar alert <laughs> yeah and also the um i gotta come like uh whatever you know i used to think that the the first lyric on that was like a body shaming thing but it i i read it differently now what is it it's icky period drip for mailboxes. I think that means like it's a letter. So it's actually like the end of a sentence. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I think it's inky, it like, inky period. Inky. So I, used think, I used to think he was like, ew. <laughs> I used to think it was like body shaming shit when I was like, that's not cool, bro. Get over it. He sounds like a carnival barker on this shit. It's almost like <laughs> Mumford and Sons drumming that whole like early 2000s. Like, like that bombastic. Just yeah, like. Yeah. like like um it's basically you play the drums that you would like strum the shit out of like a that marching guitar band, marching <laughs> band yeah all right yeah any other some wax did i do mine um i have no, one I, th- yet. I think it's just a forgettable song it and it's weird that it, it's the third song on the album flesh canoe i think it sounds bad <laughs> yeah i had this one nice. on my not on my duds list because i don't really have any duds but it was one another one where i'm like all right you could trim this up make it, it into like so a, long a the short... vocals suck it's not even that long it's only four minutes long or three yeah. three and a half it's or so three minutes play the long. play adrian if you could play like the 315 mark i think it's like completely obnoxious I don't need to hear that. <laughs> so that's interesting because that song is actually about Panda Bear, about Noah Lennox himself. It's a, it's like a love song to his friend or whatever. Uh, and I was reading the interview where he reveals that and Panda Bear had no idea. And he's like, what the fuck? In the middle of the interview, because he's like, yeah, I was writing about how, you know, the platonic love and blah, 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 love for a friend. And I wrote this song about Panda Bear. And and then the, the Panda Bear is like, yeah, literally like, what the, f- what? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Had no idea. That's good. We should all write love songs to each other. All right. Are we done? <laughs> are we done with Wait, wax? I, wax? I think we can wrap this one up. <clears throat> what, yeah. Adrian, you didn't do a dud. No, I mean, well, Flesh Canoe was one of the ones I had. So yeah. it, it. Well, he's the it, true believer. Like, you know, that's not. Did his you bag. give us all your slaps? Give us. Do one yeah. more song, Adrian. Yeah, I feel like we I, have one more song. Uh, I like a song. Okay. One other. Lock, Lock Raven, maybe? Yeah. So that was the last 
that was the only other song I had on my. Uh, oh, that's on my. Uh, that's on my wax list. <clears throat> well, they all are on your wax. Yeah. I only have eight songs on the wax list. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, here's here's a little. I just like the 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 vibe of this. Yeah, cool vibes. That's right. Cool. It also Ooh. sounds. Sounds like Christmas. That sounds like Deer Hunter. <laughs> I like that song a lot. Um, I think it it's very reminiscent of some of their earlier stuff, especially that the Spirit They Vanished album. They, mm-hmm. There was a lot of like twinkly, tinkly things going on underneath yeah. all the the squall. Adrian, play the three fifty five minute mark. It sounds like How to Dress Well vibes. Oh, like that kind of deconstructed R and B. Mm-hmm. I wish that I could hold you now. Come on and braid my hair. I'm a girl. Yeah, that like Mario. Kinda, that trippy R and B that was going on. Yeah, right? kind of like that gothy R and B stuff. Yeah. Right on. All right. Well, let's take a little breaker and then we'll come back and we'll get into our ratings. How's that sound? Fuck it up, Caleb. Gia. We are back. Rest in peace, DMX. Rest in peace, Shock G. Rest in peace, Black Rob. I know. He lost a lot of them. It's a weird, that's a weird comes in threes, but here we are. Here we are. Rest in power. All right. So in honor of Black Rob, um, because like was like honestly one of my favorite songs of all time. What would you guys give this uh record? Like how many woes out of ten? One to ten. Oh man. So I it was it was a struggle for me because like I said back in the day my 21 year old self like i felt super connected to this album but as we'll continue in our series with animal collective i kind of just fell off with them and i lost the connection with them because i think it's you guys got you got a guest host lined up for that right (laughs) yeah uh, oh maybe that's something i should work on all right we'll we'll, we'll figure that off there do you know who uh, dave potner is Dave Poitnoy from uh, the Barstool Sports? Uh, Dave Poitner. Oh, Deacon? Oh, it's Avatar. Brian White. We could probably get Deacon on the show. What is he doing? Um, What is Deacon up to? uh, He did put out a solo record a few years ago. Oh, I bet oh, that was great. That was great. Yeah. That was really necessary to Could you imagine something. being somewhere and someone's like, Have you heard the Deacon solo? And you're like, What Dan Deacon? Like Dan Deacon <laughs> from AC. And you're like, What the fuck? Yeah. Get out of here. You it's don't need to listen to that. Dan Deacon either. The... <laughs> Dan Ninkin. <laughs> Dan Deacon is also unnecessary. <laughs> but uh, I give this an 8.0 and I kind of had it higher for a minute because it was like my nostalgia. This is a classic nostalgia meets hype. And I bought into the hype of Animal Collective and I really loved them. I loved their, um, the uh, Sung Tongs album. I was like deeply into these guys, but it's just one of those 
albums and bands that I've outgrown in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I think I find it annoying in a lot of ways. I find it for lack of a better term. It's like, it's like white, white kid music. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a lot of of soul or like funk or I don't know. Like, and we say this as partial white kids too. Yeah. Oh, not me. Right. Well, I'm saying, I'm, and like we said, me and Noah are partially white too. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, as a Mexican fool that fucking grew up talking shit, the shit's white boy shit. <laughs> as a guy that got called a white boy my whole life, like a yeah. wedo, a wedito. This is wedito <laughs> music. <laughs> I'm sorry. Lo siento to Animal Collective, but the and shit is kind of good it's kind of obnoxious. But could you I, imagine putting this album on in a like a garage, like a, like seven thirty in the evening, <laughs> somewhere like north side of Santa Maria, something yeah, <laughs> at a barbecue? You get your yeah, maybe a shallow yeah. orchid, maybe. I believe you get stabbed for that shit. Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> um, just like clowned on into oblivion. Like, yeah. At the um, very least. So I still have my nostalgia attached to it. So I still give it an 8.0, but that's purely nostalgia. But I think there's a lot of good instrumental stuff. I just wish Avatar's voice was not all over this thing. Like it's relentless with his stupid little kid vocals. Turn him down in the mix is what you're saying? Yes. Caleb? Um, I'm going to give this album the rating of the um, demographic that it's targeted towards. So I'm going to give that a six. <laughs> is music for six-year-olds. Damn. Is this your lowest rating, Kev? Uh, no, no. I gave a clap your hands. So yeah, a, like a 4.5 or something. Right. That was very low. So you put this... They're in the same play, the same uh, sandbox. Well, I think it's like the way I look at it is like if this came out today or tomorrow, like they would get like a six probably. Today or tomorrow, that was their cool EP that they made with Shanti <laughs> Bunyan. Bashti Bunyan, that album's good. The Prospect Hummer. I re- it's probably I re- great. I remember. It's probably. It's I remember good. learning how to drive. That's a. That's when was a, the last time? You, when was the last time you listened to it? It's probably not. Not long ago for me. Right. Yeah, you might be so Caleb, five, six, six point oh. Six. Oh, six, six point oh. You should give it a five point oh. Why? Like Mustang style, baby. <laughs> uh, or the price of a tab of acid when I would have been into this album. All right, so eight point oh. 6.0. I'm going to come in and combine those. I'm going to give it an 8.6. I think Ooh. nine's too high. I thought you were going to go higher, AJ. No, 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 no. Um, no, I can't, can't do that. I can't, you know, I'm going to break my 10 perfect perfect <laughs> score streak <laughs> uh, with this one. I love this record. I, I really like it quite a bit. I know I'm the apologist, but I, I think that you guys, I understand you're, you're, your 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 hatred for it or your your at least your uh I'm not, not hatred other I'm not mad I'm just disappointed yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I you know I get it I I'll, I'll say that I get it so and to me this is a great record 
Nine point when I have kids and my kid goes to art school and then they come back as the, this is their senior project, I'd be like, eh, "There's I'm no way sorry. that any there's no way that <laughs> any kids there's nobody younger than our generation is listening to this album." I don't. Yeah, think. I don't know. I don't yeah. know about that. But yeah. um, anyways, we cut you off. Yeah. So I think you know I think nine's too high. I think that a lot of that is goodwill from pitchfork for from sung kongs and and just hyping the band it's a great great record but i think it, it's a solid 8.6 i think yeah i think if it was released today honestly they probably would pan it because they've been pretty harsh on them lately so mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if that was the case um but yeah 8.6 that's where i see it all, all right. right nice so let's uh let's calculate all that up let's roll that up all right. Roll it up, smoke it up, inhale. That gives us inhale. a 7.5. Not bad. Seems, it seems harsh, but it seems fair. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, if they wanted a better score, they would have made a better album. Oh. All right, really? 7.5 is our overall rating. So where uh, – I don't even want to talk about this in smooth, but um, – <laughs> Smooth scale? Yeah, smooth scale. So the smooth scale being, you know, would you rather listen to this album, which is nine songs, or would you rather listen to Smooth by Carlos Santana featuring Rob Tomas nine times in a row? And I don't know. I think this, I think the song that you need to listen to that's closely resembles Animal Collective would be Soul Sacrifice by Santana, the uh, the live at Woodstock, because it's very drum heavy. So, yeah, it's very percussive. So I would skip. So I would give this the Soul Sacrifice scale, and I would say listen to Soul Sacrifice, and that the song SS is scale, if you will. The SS. Oh, oh shit! No, not the SS. That's like some. Uh, <laughs> that's some Nazi shit. But, Nazi uh, shit. <laughs> No, but I would say listen to the um, Soul Sacrifice drum solo, and it kind of does what this album's trying to do, but mm-hmm. better. That's it. You know what else, though? I would probably listen to a remix, like a Panda Bear remix of Smooth. I don't think I'd be completely opposed <laughs> to that. Especially like that Person Pitch album. I feel there's a lot of like Latin, you well, know. he samples um, Maria Maria on that album. I'm gonna have to fact check that, but there's yeah, some. Like, I don't know. It sounds like fake news to me. But. I mean, definitely like Brazilian music's big. You know, it's like different part of mm. South America, but on that album, there's like a lot of tropicalismo and all that. But um, I think you do well with some Latin beats. You know, who yeah. knows? I'd fuck with that. Yeah, he I would be see... like he he would. I think Santana would be like, "Hey, Avitar, homie, uh, necesitas cagar." Wait, <laughs> you sound like you got to take a shit, fool. It's okay, just do it. I, you know, for me, I think I would like to hear Santana shredding over some of these songs. I think there's some room for that. A little oh, shredding yeah. will go definitely room for some shred. Yeah, but um, cool. yeah, I, I think that uh, yeah, fuck it, eh, that's that's where I'm at. Nice, I get it. Uh, whatever happens, man, we'll get into that. We have we have two more episodes to cover that. But uh, personal anecdotes. What I what I want Noah, I want you to explain what uh, Birnado is. 
and how that fits into uh, animal collective now? lore. We should we should wait because the legend. Of I mean, the I already teed it up. Yeah, I can't uh, um, tell the story like that and uh, not deliver. So me, Caleb, Adrian, uh, who else was there? Your wife. Wife. Jennifer Caitlin was there, I believe. Caitlin. The homie Caitlin. Uh, K-Dub. Um, Pepperwood Pizza, right? Yeah, shout, shout out, out Pepperwood. It's good. Just had it the other day. It's um, fantastic. So basically, we went to go see these guys on their tour in like 2012. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. And it was like last call for alcohol. And they were, they were, it was at the uh, Oakland Fox Theater. And they were doing like their encore. And so I got like five beers from the bar and I hold, I held them all in my hands. Like I somehow I was wasted, but I somehow like fit them all in my hands and I went up and they were playing that song peace bone. And I was like, Hey guys, you like got to help me drink these beers. And I just kind of like spun in a circle and you all like grabbed the individual beers off of me. And we all like poured them in each other's mouths. It was very decadent. And uh, yeah, it was a beer, beer, beer tornado. Yep. I mean, that's all we need to know about animal collective. So, um, yeah, final thoughts. Um, you know, I came off as really, really negative. I mean, like I said, I've just moved on. It's just not my, it's not my jam anymore. Um, and I don't know if it ever was. So I think I, if anything, I'm just coming to terms with that. That's and right. I will also, I will also be honest. I have uh, been talking to a friend of the show, Nat, and when he does his animal collective, um, like uh, impressions, it, uh, it just, I can't take them seriously. <laughs> that shit's pretty funny. You can win a rabbit. Nice. But um, also, shout out to all of our listeners. Thank you for not sending a single email with your animal collective um, uh, impressions. You still have we didn't a couple get, more weeks to do that. We didn't get that, but I did get an email from some oh, kind of marketing. Email. I got uh, so email. I, so here here it is. Is it? It's not exactly a listener email. What I got was an email saying that we are number one twenty on the Apple Podcast charts in the Netherlands or something like that or Sweden. Are we are the hundred twenty best, hundred twentieth best music podcast there so that's pretty fun there you go good. there yeah. you go yeah nice bergman. shout out to the netherlands bergman country uh that's sweden but um <laughs> it was one of those you know one of those northern european countries right on well uh thanks all right um noah let's play a game homie okay here we go so for the game i call this game side project side part projects solo acts and super groups so basically i'm gonna name uh members just indie rock stalwarts mm-hmm. and you guys name the uh the side project the solo act or the super group that they belong to you all get right. it all right first Sounds things good. first we have allison mosshart jack white Dean Fertita and Jack Lawrence. 
Oh shit. What was the name of that stupid fucking band? Is that the Rock on Tours? Well, Jack uh, Lawrence and Jack White are from the Rock on Tours, but they Yeah, this is the uh what it's is called it? like them pale bandits or something. <laughs> <laughs> Close. You know who Allison Mozart is? She's from the Kills, right? The Kills, yeah. So yeah, right. the, the female vocal. It was it. I, I don't think I'm gonna get it. Go ahead and just tell us. The dead weather. Dead oh, weather. Remember fuck them? Like, they had they actually they weren't actually that bad. Yeah. They, they, they had like a hit song. They were featured on a Anthony Bourdain show at one point. Yeah. They were like a the last MTV two. Right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Jim James, Connor Oberst, Will Johnson, and M. Ward. Monsters oh. of Folk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boy. <laughs> Can you name the band? Jim James. Where is he from? My Morning Jacket. Morning Jacket. Connor Oberst. Bright um, Eyes. The uh, Despacitos or whatever. <laughs> nice. Will Johnson. Oh, what's uh I don't know. Tougher. This I've never heard of this band. Centromatic. Mm, sounds horrible. Mm, yeah. Then, I don't know. And then M Ward. Uh she and him. She and him and solo fan. I think he also was produced Brad Eyes or something like that. Played he with was him. also he produced the scroll nut zippers too, right? He's oh, also did he? eight, yeah. Eight oh five, baby. He went to Cal Poly. Shout out. Yeah, he was involved in the scroll nut zippers in some way. Um Monsters of Folk was one of those bands because I followed Pitchfork so closely. And it was like, oh, wait, now you're selling me super groups that like, <laughs> suck. And you're like, this is like the top 50 albums of the year. It's like, no, it's not. This is forgettable, stupid music. That's when they probably look into it. They probably have like money backing that group too. Yeah. <laughs> like, fucking, like, That's when they the became. Pitchfork like, presents. Yeah, yeah. Pitchfork presents this band. <laughs> That's when they became like Rolling Stones, where it's like, right. you know, like, do I need to listen to Blind Faith or whatever? It's like, You're saying that's the jump to shark moment for them? Jump, yeah. yeah, yes, exactly, Adrian. Well mm-hmm. put. All right, here's a. <laughs> this one was one that I t- completely forgot about. All right, Britt Daniel, Dan Bachner, Sam Brown. I don't know. Oh, that's are. is that Divine Fits? <laughs> Adrian, nice, Whoa. cool. I can't believe you got that. Wait, so who are those? Who are the constituent parts? So Britt Daniel from Spoon. Yeah. Uh, okay. The vest. Wait. The guy with the vest. Adrian, educate Caleb. Who's Dan Bachner? <laughs> yeah, kick some knowledge. Dan Bachner from um, Wolf Parade. Uh, mm. Adrian, you are the true believer. All right. Do you know who <laughs> Sam Brown is? Oh. Uh, no, I can't. I can't. I never him. heard of this. I never heard of this band. New Bomb Turks. Yeah. Okay. That's mm. right. Yeah. I've I've heard of them for sure. Okay. Here we go. Nikolai Fracher. That's it. Just one guy. Oh, it's how's that a nickel, super group? It's Nickel oh, it's a I. It's right. It's Nickel I. I think. <laughs> from what? What's he, that guy? From the band? Strokes, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a solo solo deal. The basis from the strokes, Nikolai. Yeah, because everyone was clamoring for an album from the bassist of the strokes. Mm-hmm. I heard that's pretty good. Is it yeah, just actually, him playing I, bass and singing? Because that'd be like dope. 
No, I think he was like a he's a multi instrumental type dude, oh, I believe. It's a shame. But yeah, I think they I think they had a couple decent tracks. All right, here we go. Dave Portner, Eric Copeland. Mm. Yeah, fuck. Well, I know helps. who Eric Copeland is. I know what band he's from. Dave Was he Portner, the dude from the Black Dave, Dice? Yes. yes. There you go, Kevin. Dave Portner yeah. is Avatar. Yeah. Fuck. What is the name of this Shit. band? Fuck. Yeah. They had one album. It's like Weirdo Warriors or some stupid shit like that, isn't close, it? Close, close. It's alliteration. Yeah. God damn it. White Wards? Close. Terrestrial Tones. Oh. Yikes. Yeah, I must have missed that one. All right. Last but not least. I wouldn't say you missed it. <laughs> All right, here mm. we go. Jeff Tweedy. Bradford Cox, Van Dyke Parks, and Kim Gordon. Uh, Ghost Child. Close. <laughs> uh, <I> Ghosts. <laughs> uh, ghost people? I don't know. It's slow ghost. Oh, right. How can we forget? Slow and, uh, Ghost. You know what was what the name of that one album they had? Oh, I got it right here for you, Caleb. Funny. You <laughs> it's actually, it's just Slow Ghost, but it's spelled backwards. So it's T S O S G W O L S. And so, like, the fans would just call it Slow Ghost backwards. Like, that's the. Mm common name <laughs> great oh, yeah, they're pretty band. good they were like a bluesy folky kind of weirdo rockers weirdo rock we need more weirdo rock middle-aged weirdo rock that's our demographic all right thanks for the game that was fun as shit um i think the super group thing is something we'll we'll have to explore like yeah. as a well i was thinking side projects solo acts and super groups could be a Oh yeah, yeah, an episode or a whole series, yeah, Yeah. totally. Frankly, I think we should just talk about Zwan. (laughs) Zwan's great. That's great. There's the dude from Slant. Shout out out Matt Sweeney. um, Yeah. Shout out Karen. Karen, wasn't she like their manager? There was a there was a Osborne's episode where Swan was a Zwan shit a plot point. It was Sharon. Sharon oh, was, was their Dave, manager. Was Dave Paho in that band too? I don't know. From Slint? He he may have been. I don't know if he's on the record. I think he may yeah. have been. I believe the episodes of there. the episode of the Osborne, it was um Jack Osborne went with um what's his name? Frodo. What's that actor's name? Oh shit, you're right. Uh 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 Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. They went to see Zwan's. You're uh, absolutely right their first show and Karen Osborne was like, Oh my God, I represent smashing pumpkins. How are they doing? I love- got to save this for the, uh, the Osborne's um, recap show that we do. That would be pretty good too. Well, yeah, we're going to run through every season. That'd be torturous. Well, thanks for joining us. This has been a fun 11th episode. Um, next week, we're going to continue our animal collective series with a, uh, 2007 strawberry jam so um check that out you know go listen to that
I'm Caleb, and uh, thank you to Kiki for our theme song. And uh, Adrian, thank you for your stellar production work. Noah, thank you as always for keeping it fresh and lively and bit heavy. All you listeners out there, make sure you follow us on our socials at Whack or Slaps, and uh, give us some uh, give us some email love at Slaps at gmail.com. For Noah and Adrian, I'm Caleb. This is Whacker Slaps. And as always, I ask, what made Milwaukee famous?